Hello, friends, and welcome to Coach Cuts Corner. Streaming bright from Michigan's capital city, this podcast is dedicated to helping you better understand the who, the what, and the why of mental performance, personal growth, and Lansing Stars baseball. Coach Cuts Corner, brought to you by iWash. In collaboration with Lansing Community College. And now here's your host, Stephen Cutter. Welcome back to Coach Cuts Corner. Today I'm joined in studio with Stars Baseball Assistant Coach Elijah Boyer and special guest R.D. Kate. Kate Davis. Kate is a registered dietitian and currently works with our baseball team throughout our seasons. Today we'll cover Kate's journey with the Stars to the College World Series last season, her business R.D. Kate Sports Nutrition, and of course we have Elijah here to fill in some details of what it all looks like today from his fresh perspective. Thanks for joining me today, Elijah and Kate. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Doing great, thank you. Okay. So let's swing for the fences and barrel up the first question. How did we all start working together? Do you remember? Uh, I do remember. I believe you sent me an email, uh, which initially went to my spam box, by the way. And <laughs> somehow I found it, which was a little crazy. And I responded and we connected on the phone and just had really a very brief conversation. As we know, Coach Cutter is a man of few yeah. words. And so <laughs> very, very brief. He asked direct questions. I gave him the answers and he said, all right, let's do it. And I remember kind of what led to that, too. We went to the, our first College World Series, which was the 22 season, and we showed up there, and we were smaller, and not only in roster number, but we were just smaller, and we were really thinking, we need to figure something out, and the best way to do that is through strength and conditioning and your nutrition. That was kind of what led to who's in the area and who looks like they have a good front. So that's how important like your website or your social media is and you know how important that kind of stuff is because that's that's what really came off is like, you know, this is a good spot and you, and we'll talk about some of the other teams that you've worked with. But um, what's really the main purpose between RD Kate's sports nutrition business? What is what is the main purpose behind that? So the whole purpose of what I do is to help make I call it ordinary athletes, extraordinary competitors. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be the best of the best, but it's going to be the best that they can be from a nutrition perspective. So the first goal of what I do is injury prevention, keeping athletes on the field, on the court, doing what they want to do. And that goes back to recovery. When you have good recovery, you prevent injury. And then, of course, when you're recovering well, you're going to perform better. And so it yeah. all kind of it's almost like a backward cycle that it all kind of builds on each other. And so that's really my goal is teaching athletes. How do I use food? How do I understand food? How do I be more efficient with my food choices? How do I sift through all the misinformation out there and make this applicable to me for my goals, for what I'm going to do and want to do? But from my perspective, it's yes, all of that and I want to see you keep playing and performing. I would imagine it's a little bit more challenging to connect with bigger teams. You know, the baseball teams has 45 to 50 players on it every year. And, and that's probably a little more challenging than, say, connecting with, you know, a basketball team that might have mm -hmm. 12 or 15, which I know you've done some basketball stuff. So how do you work through those challenges? Because obviously it's not so much about what you know, it's, it's about how you can connect 
with that team? Do you find it a lot more difficult, you know, working with larger groups? It's, it's always challenging the more athletes you're working with, right? Like in an ideal world, I would sit down one-on-one with every single athlete of every team I work with, right? That would be ideal. But I think what I try to do first and foremost is have that conversation with a coach or whoever the staff member is that I'm connecting with to understand where have you been? Where are we going? Um, But more than that, get a sense of the team culture, because that tells me a lot about what's going to work with this team and what is not going to work with this team. And that's huge because I actually don't service every team the same way. And I think people might think, oh, you must go in and just like roll out a program, the same program for every team. And that's actually not true. It's very much catered to the culture, their goals, the issues that I'm seeing. Um, and Coach Cutter, as you know, I use like surveys with bigger teams. And that's I ask very pointed questions because I'm trying to figure out where are the knowledge gaps? What do they most want to know about? Because that helps me direct my education and have the most impact. I was reading some of your bio before you came in, and it sounds like you're somewhat of a writer. Do you want to talk about that? I think I saw editor-in-chief, and mm-hmm. and yes, what's, what's I, going on with that? I, I love editing. That's that's probably one of my favorite things to do, editing. Um, I enjoy writing as well. So I have my own business, which means that I do a lot of different things, right? And so one of the positions that I have is as the editor-in-chief for what's called the Sports Nutrition Care Manual. And so if you would imagine like a sports nutrition textbook, if we took that and put it online, that's basically what this is. And so dietitians subscribe to this annually, and then they can access all of this information on all of these different topics. And then it has a, a plethora of handouts that they can actually print off, use with their clients, use with their teams. So my job is to work with an entire board of editors to kind of sift through what's up there. What do we need to update? Um, is it updated You know, to the most current research? And then usually like I'm the last person that goes through and look at looks at all of the like handouts or updates that are going out before they get pushed out live. That's incredible. Nice. Do you ever sleep? <laughs> I do. I, I I highly prioritize my sleep, actually. <laughs> eight, eight, to nine, eight to nine hours, right? I do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I have to. I need my go. sleep. That's, mm-hmm. that's impressive. 3.30 this morning, I was putting together a PowerPoint for leadership oh. tonight. And, yeah. um, you know, 7 a.m. I was yeah, up. Coach Cud doesn't sleep for those it's who don't so know. Brutal. Um, you know, obviously you work with the Stars baseball team and they're pretty good. But tell me about a few of the other teams. I, I saw... Team USA Women's Hockey? Yes, I spent just a brief time working with um, the USA Women's Hockey, and this was the team that went on that year yeah. to win the gold medal. That was a fabulous experience. Um, just, just a, you know, a great group of women. Um, I just kind of came in assisting for a short period of time. Um, and then right after that, I was given another opportunity to work with um, USA Paralympics. And so this would be for physically disabled athletes. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people um, confuse it with um, the Special Olympics, which is for mentally disabled mm-hmm. athletes. So mm-hmm. I'm talking about the Paralympics that actually take place right after the Olympics. And this past um, Paralympics was the first time it really got a lot of screen time. They actually broadcast a lot of the Paralympics. But anyway, um, I was given an opportunity to work with goalball, which is for visually impaired athletes. And so um, they uh, train out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I started with them in the fall of 2018. And I'm actually still with them today. So I've been with them since 2018. That's awesome. That is. That's pretty incredible. Coach Boyer, you went to a JUCO from your experience. How uncommon is it for a team to have a registered dietitian? 
everything we have is uncommon compared yeah. to what I was used to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our dietitian was the cafeteria ladies <laughs> and they were just loading us juice? up. They, yeah. Oh, she, she was my favorite. We actually took pictures with her at the end of the year because we got so close. She would, she'd be like, Oh, I you know the baseball boys are coming day, yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> she did. She'd know the exact time the baseball team was coming in. Cause we had so many guys and we would just wipe, wipe it out, wipe the food out. <laughs> That's funny. So I want to talk a little bit about year one when when you started coming in, it was definitely new to our players because most of them and some of them had had a little bit at the high school level. But anybody that had returned here certainly didn't have any of the knowledge that you were providing. And I was a little bit wondering how it was going to go, because as I said earlier, most everything is about relationships and connection. And you can really know a lot of things, but if you can't connect with the audience that you're talking to, it really just, it doesn't matter, you know? And so when you're standing up, you know, we had uh, 40 some kids sitting in the bleachers and Kate came in, I think the first week of practice and uh, that year one and you know, you're, you're presenting and she got them to start doing some things together and coming down and holding up different things. And I thought, I, th I think this is going to work. As we went through the season, we were using things like our in-body machine to track to see how our weight program was going and how their their diet was going. And then you'd see the in-body results every you know five or six weeks when you do them, and you'd make your cute little notes on there of what they what they're doing. <laughs> they were charming, yeah, they? yeah. And I'd be like, I need to talk to them, and you'd be like, No, no, don't do that. Let's Calm it down. Let, let's just Pull wait a little bit, you know. <laughs> But we really saw some incredible stuff because going into it, we understood like over a 10 year span at the junior college level, what the size of the teams look like that had won national championships or placed in the top three in the country. So we knew what the size of the teams had looked like. So we knew what we had to start with and we knew how to, you know, we didn't necessarily know how to get there. And that's where you kind of came in. And, you know, it was our most successful season ever and the most wins in school history. And, you know, it was it was an incredible season. So you played a, a, an enormous, enormous role in that piece, because when we're on the bus, they they had schedules at different points of, you know, hey, we need to eat at this point. And as maybe we'd make a pit stop at a gas station. Artie Kate's name would always be coming up when somebody was in the candy aisle and, or, you know, and I, I, I have, I still have pictures from, you know, somebody sliding into Burger King instead of, you know, the subway when you go into those places and they've got a couple spots to eat, you know, and they're, they're talking, they're, they're, they're talking about you. So the, the whole moral of that story is that you made an impact so that they were thinking about it. And if they can carry that on to, not only themselves, but maybe their friends to their family. That's a really, really good thing. And that's one of the really good things of coaching too. So we have questions that come in from our listeners and they will typically email me or direct message me. And so we have a question for Kate that came in from Robert. Robert wants to know if pop is good for you before competition. And secondly, how important is, which is a totally... <laughs> separate question but how important is vitamin d those are very two separate questions you might have to remind me of the second one okay so one thing that athletes are going to learn really quickly if they hear me speak hear me answer questions is that they're going to learn really quickly that nutrition is not black and white there's a lot of gray area and there's a lot of context we need to cover before i'm going to answer 
just about any question directly. So in answer to the question of, is pop a good idea before I play? So first, what athletes need to understand is that one of the most important things we have to have on board to exercise is carbohydrate, carbohydrate fuel. And carbohydrate fuel comes from a lot of different foods, namely fruits and any of your grain foods are kind of the two biggest ones. Dairy also contains some, as so does vegetables. But where else do we find carbohydrate? Well, carbohydrate is essentially sugar, so we're going to find it in pop. We're going to find it in um, sports drink. We're going to find it in candy. We're going to find it in fruit snacks, right? All these sorts of things. So that begs the question, then, where is the line between having, let's say, a banana, which is a fruit, and having a can of pop, which at the end of the day, when they're broken down in your body, they're both sugar, right? But they're clearly not the same thing. So I think there's two things I I encourage athletes to keep in mind when they're choosing their pre-fuel, or really kind of any fuel that's going to happen before, during, or after training. I think the first thing is how quickly is it going to hit your system? How quickly is it going to hit your blood sugar? Um, Because the the more quickly something hits your blood sugar, the faster your body's going to react to it, the more you have a risk of having kind of this energy followed by a quick dip. In addition, the more quickly that you uh, digest something, if you, let's say, we'll just use the pop example because that was the question. Let's say you have a can of pop an hour out. That's going to get through your system pretty fast. So by the time you actually get to practice, you're probably already hitting a low in energy because it's it's just digested way too fast because all that's there is sugar. Versus if I had anything else, but we'll use the banana as an example. Well, banana has fiber. The fiber is going to slow down digestion. Okay, so that's one piece of the equation is how quickly is it going to hit my system? But the second piece is a little bit more practical and something that sometimes sometimes athletes feel, sometimes they don't, which is how is what you're choosing going to actually impact your gut? And so the problem with POP, aside from the fact that there's really nothing beneficial nutritionally to it, other than you could argue the sugar, which your body uses during exercise, the biggest problem with pop is actually that it's it has such a high sugar content that you actually run a pretty good big risk of having stomach upset from mm-hmm. it, and especially depending on how much you take in, what the quantity of that is. And so that's why when you're training, it's that's why I only drink like four a day, <laughs> <laughs> but not before training, right? right. <laughs> um, but that's why sports drink is actually a better option than pop because the percent sugar in there, the sugar content is actually lower in sports drinks than it is in pop. And well, so well, it would have, um, what about Elijah's got a, you know, a, a sports drink sitting over there. Is, it does, the, does, does, not does, a sports drink. <laughs> 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 Pretty sure it's six grams. Yeah, see? Yeah, six grams. It's not a lot. Okay. Second question. Vitamin D. Vitamin D. Um, yeah, so this is this is also a very long answer, which I will try to I will try to cut it short. Okay. So um first of all, vitamin D Um, is a vitamin that your body uses for a lot of different processes, but specifically um, creating different hormones and making sure that those hormones react the right way inside your body. So that's, I guess, the really short answer to that piece of what vitamin D is. But the reason this has been coming up more, I'd say in the last three years or so, is that there's been a lot more awareness of the fact that people are vitamin D deficient. Uh, and that's that's true. I'd say the majority of individuals living north of Atlanta, Georgia, in the United States are vitamin D deficient. And that's that's pretty much, if you get checked, you probably are if you're not taking a vitamin D supplement. Why does this matter to athletes, right? Because we're going to keep it in the athletic realm. Well, it matters to athletes because, for two reasons. Number one, the research indicates that 
it seems that your risk of um, getting any sort of upper respiratory illness increases if you're vitamin D deficient. So when we talk about a sport, especially that plays in the fall or late fall, and that's when the flu season's going around and all that, right? That is something tangible that we can be doing is getting vitamin D levels checked, supplementing vitamin D to make sure that you are not getting deficient. Where do you get those checked at? So just going to your primary care physician gotcha. and saying, I just, can I get my blood, blood work done gotcha. and make sure you ask ask for vitamin D because it is a separate draw. Now, that being said, some doctors will say, no, we're not going to check it because of whatever reason they have, but you can just go ahead and take this amount on a regular basis and you should be safe. If you get that go ahead from your doctor, that's fine. Now, being a numbers person and a data person myself, I would prefer to see, but I can't like physically order that lab for you. Right. And so, Um, So it's a good reason for prevention of illness. The other reason is the research suggests that when you are vitamin D deficient, it's actually harder to hold on to muscle um, or to build muscle. And so what do a lot of athletes want to do? Right. And so it's just it's another one of those things that it's tangible. We can somewhat easily control it if we know that you're vitamin D deficient we might as well fix that and cover for it. Um, so yes, I would say vitamin D is is pretty darn important to at least keep tabs on and kind of know where you're at if you're a high-level athlete especially. I think one of the more overriding voices that I've heard initially getting into this was, isn't eating healthy really expensive for a college athlete who's already typically on a you know a pretty tight budget? Right, so let's call a spade a spade and say, yes, it can be. It can be. Absolutely. Right. If you're going to eat salmon every day or several times a week, you know, if you want to hit the big hitters, like the things all over the Internet that are like the 10 best foods, which don't get me started on those lists. But, (laughs) you know, what does it always say? Salmon and quinoa and Brussels sprouts, you know, like the most expensive foods you could come up with. Like who's writing this? You know, like (laughs) clearly. Um, But there definitely are ways to go about it that are going to be cheaper. And and I think the less the less exciting foods are often just as good, if if not better than all of these like salmon, whatever foods they're throwing at you. And so that's one of the things I've done with the stars and Mm -hmm. I do with other teams is talking about how can we even take a step back and say, well, okay, fine. Can we do a better job of thinking about what meals you're going to make during the week. Can we meal prep? Can we write out a list before you go to the grocery store so we're not wasting money on things you're not going to eat any anyway? Because so much food that is purchased is actually just, it goes right into the trash, right? They don't even use it. Yeah. So let's be more efficient with how we get our food and then be more efficient with how we prepare our food so that you're actually eating that food. And then at the same time, let's use these ways in the grocery store to save money buying in bulk. You know, when you plan ahead, you can buy more at a time because you, you're confident you're going to use it, right? You're not just like buying on a whim. So things and tactics like that are going to be actually much cheaper than not only the cost of, let's say, going out to eat or even fast food, but also the time. Because that's another complaint I get is, why well, I don't have time to eat healthy. It's, it's, it's much you know, they're dealing with time constraints all the time and time management is super important, mm-hmm. but it's much easier to roll into the fast food place on the way to practice than it is to spend a few, you know, a few extra minutes making the peanut butter and jellies in the morning, yeah. prep, you know, right. meal prepping. Exactly. And so I'll say it's just easier. And so how yeah. do you fight against that? Yeah. So I think, I think part of it is the buy-in, right? You, you just mm-hmm. have, you have to create the relationship with the mm-hmm. athlete. You have to get the buy-in. And sometimes like this is my second year with the team. And so the beauty of that and the benefit of that is what can I do? I can say, who's been with me last year? You tell the new yeah. guys 
what did right. this mean? What did this mean to you? How did it impact you? What tactics did you use? What was easier for you? I mean, as much as they hopefully will listen to me, you know how it is, right? If you've got some of you look up to on the team and they're giving you advice, chances are you're, you know, if you want to be where they are, you're probably yeah. going to be more likely to follow that. All right. Let's, let's keep a couple short answers here. What should athletes do pre-competition? What should they eat? So pre-competition, the most important thing is you're not eating anything new. It's nothing. You shouldn't be having anything you haven't had before. Shouldn't um, be eating pasta dinners. Or- well, you could. You could. I think I think it depends on what, what you're used to, you know, what you're used to playing on. It's, it, this also varies wildly depending on what sport we're talking about, too. Um, but I'd say generally, I, I recommend that athletes have their last full meal about three to four hours prior to competition, if possible. Right. It's not right. always possible. We know with the stars, right. that's not always possible with their <laughs> schedule. And so there's always caveats to these right. things. Right. But in an ideal world, if it's in your complete control, that schedule, three to four hours out, we're having our last meal. Um, and really thinking, starting, you know, continuing to hydrate well if you're not at that point. So really getting those fluids into your system. A couple of hours out is a good time to have a snack. And so this could be like a granola bar with maybe 10 grams of protein. This could be like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a half a mm-hmm. PB&J. This could be a, a, like an individual package of trail mix, but something to kind of continue those good energy levels, keep them stable. And then for some athletes, depending on if they're playing, what the intensity of the game is, their personal preference how quickly they digest things we'll have even a little bit more right before that game starts so some sort of i call it like a carbohydrate topper so maybe like a banana um, works really well or a clementine or a handful of pretzels or you know something like that to kind of top things off but of course we don't want to forget the liquids the fluid and how important that is so a good rule of thumb is two hours out from the start of competition two cups of fluid an hour out a cup of fluid but then we're continuing to sip you know, sips and gulps throughout the competition, let's say in a situation like a baseball, a baseball game, sips and gulps throughout so that you're not like getting waterlogged, but you're not going so long that suddenly, you know, we're halfway through the game. You realize you haven't been having any liquids, any fluids. Coach Boyer, you're a pretty healthy human being. <laughs> you also coach first base for us. And I noticed um, that you give out treats to hitters that reach first base and second too. what you giving them. I'm giving them sour gummy worms right now. <laughs> Is that okay, Kate? During the game? Yeah. That's actually okay. That's, that's fine with me. As long as they're not getting like a whole package. No, just, yeah. just, <laughs> one, one, or two. just one gummy. No, I actually had a goalball female athlete and she loved fruit snacks. And I, and I said, okay, stop eating them three hours out from the game. I said, you have that 10 minutes out and I'll be happy with you. And she, her jaw dropped. She could not believe I just gave her permission. And I said, well, it's, it's basically just sugar. It's carbohydrate. So let's use it wisely. And she did every game. She had her, her gummy bears. We saw that last year with actually a player that, um, didn't realize how much he loved gummy bears or whatever. And we had a bag in there and he ate pretty much the whole bag and legitimately (laughs) he he was an outfielder and I'd never seen him run that fast before. (laughs) (laughs) It's a true story too. I mean, it was was just incredible. So performance from gummy bears. So that's, that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Marshawn Lynch kind of started that. That That's the first time I had saw somebody eating candy during the, during the games when he was a big, he's a big Skittle guy. Do you remember that? A little bit, a little bit. You have to look it up. He he loved Skittles. You'd see him eating them on the sideline. And then I started reading sometimes that that's not the worst thing in controlled amounts. 
Yeah. You know? Agree, but it's but it's all in the context, right? Like yeah, a lot what, of context. And like any kind of food or drink, like what are we talking about? Yeah. Like are we in the game? Are we outside of the game? Like what what season of the year are we in with your training? Right. Like mm-hmm. that's why context is so important, so important when you're reading things online or thinking about yourself or whatever yeah. the case. All right. So we've uh, we're running close on time. So final question: What's a typical session look like when you come to mentor sports teams? Um, so a group session, you mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a big fan of uh, education combined with application combined with uh, audience participation. And so those three aspects are, are in just about every presentation that I give. Um, again, the topic is just dependent on conversations that have been had. If I've done surveys, you know, any, any of these things can play into that. Um, but yeah, so generally I'm gonna start out, if I've never seen the team, I'll, I'll jump right into a little bit of education. If I have seen the team before, um, I'll be asking, you know, tell me what you learned from last time. Can anybody name this, that, or the next thing? Anybody have any success stories? But yeah, so just kind of going through an educational thing to start because that's when I have the most attention. But then when I kind of sense that we're starting to fade or gloss yeah. over, then I'll start you know, either right. throwing out questions or switching over to some sort of you know participatory um, activity, something of that nature. Thank you again for the incredible impact you've had on our baseball team. We could have not have done what we did last season without your love and guidance. Well, you helped you. us so much on those bus trips, including the 996 mile trip to Oklahoma. <laughs> the snack boxes, the lifelong lessons about diet that everyone in our program has been able to take away. You are special, and we're so happy to have you on board for our journey to becoming better in all that we do. Until next time, thank you to all of our listeners and to Elijah and Kate for joining me today in the WLNZ studios. Go Stars! Coach Cuts Corner is recorded live in the WLNZ studios. Engineering and production assistance are provided by Dedalian Lowry. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it and follow us on all the platforms of social media. You can find more about our program at lccstars.com. And donations to our baseball program can be made at the same site. See you next time. This is LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. The Lansing Community College Massage Clinic is open to the public and provides an opportunity for the students of the massage program to gain valuable client experience. Relaxation massages and therapeutic massages are both available at a nominal fee. Visit lcc.edu massage for more information. The Adult Enrichment Program at LCC offers classes in watercolor, creative welding, motorcycle safety, photography, and more. All classes are non-credit. Information about the Adult Enrichment Center is available at lcc.edu slash keeplearning. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Welcome to Community Convos, a podcast and radio program from LCC Connect with conversations about what's happening in Lansing and around mid-Michigan. Hello, hello. We are back with the Convo. I'm Cassie Little, and I am here today with Paige Tufford, the LCC Performing Arts Production Coordinator. Thank you for joining us, Paige. Hi, Cassie. Thanks. 
We're so happy to have you here. And I think um, maybe to have a conversation that will continue throughout the year, because today we're talking about the first show of the theater season, right? Yes. Yes. Isaac's Eye. Isaac's Eye. All right. So we'll we'll just kind of give you all a rundown of what to expect and hopefully you come out and see it. So Isaac's Eye, when are the performances, Paige? We open on October 6th. All so right. when we run two weekends... Uh, the first weekend on October 8th, the Sunday matinee is at 2. And that performance will be sign interpreted by our students here at LCC awesome. in the sign language interpretation program. All right. So that's on Sunday, you said? That, yeah, Sunday that at Sunday 2. Show. All right. Um, is that is that kind of what we'll expect from most shows, is that there will be a sign interpreted performance? Yeah, we're just getting back to that this season. Um and we're really excited to be working with uh, those students and their coordinator for these projects. Yeah, some real life experience, right? And it a combination is. of different programs. I oh, love yeah. that. And I think the sign language uh, students are really excited to get on stage. You know, it's, yeah. it's a very popular project. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So it's in October. We'll repeat those dates at the end for you all. Um, but that's coming up. And uh, Isaac, Sai, can you tell us a little bit about the show? It's being directed by Andy Callis, who's on our theater faculty, and it's a very interesting show. It's about Isaac Newton, and uh, it's about Isaac Newton when he was a young man first getting started uh, doing experiments, and if, if you see the imagery on campus that marketing created, it's of an eye with a needle in it, so I don't want to do any spoiler alerts, but <laughs> one of Isaac's experiments was, you know, he proposed that putting a needle in the eye and changing the shape of the eyeball would allow us to see light particles. Wow. And so that is a central part of the show, but not all of it. It's it's really a great performance. And it's all student cast, so we're really excited about that. Okay, yeah, so that's something I did not know about Isaac Newton. <laughs> that's, I mean, that piques my interest, right? Because you might yeah. think, like, science, math, okay. Right. But there's a little bit more going on there. <laughs> it is, and, it, and it's not um, a play that was written as realism. Mm. So you're not going to, you know, when I first heard that we were doing it, I thought, oh, this sounds a little dusty, mm -hmm. you know. But then after reading the script, you know, there's a narrator mm. who kind of leads us through the action, uh, who also plays other characters in the play. So, and then the other two characters are Robert Hooke, who is a well-known um, scientist in history. He's actually invented the microscope. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and he and Isaac did, I guess, know each other or come in contact mm -hmm. with each other. Uh, and then another character is a woman called Catherine, who we think Isaac knew when he was a young man. Mm, okay. Yeah. So yes, there's definitely some yeah. excitement and drama in that. Yes. Um, and it sounds like a relatively small cast. There's only four people in the cast. And all students, you all said. Students. I know there's some productions that take place that maybe community members are a part of, sometimes all student productions. Mm -hmm. So this one is uh, all students, a great way to get them on stage. Yeah. And some of the students are, you know, have been here. So they have a little bit more experience. Some are beginning. Some have had experience in their high schools. 
Um, so this opportunity is really exciting for them and us. Yes. You know, getting them on stage. That's great. Yeah. And this will be in the Black Box Theater, right? Right. It's in the Black Box Theater in the Gannon Building. All right. Um, and you can access that from Grand Avenue. You know, there's free parking yeah. on Grand after six. And then also... Uh, park free parking in the Gannon Ramp. Yep, if you want to park there and walk through the building, get to the Black Box Theater, enjoy mm-hmm. a good show. Right. All right, so Isaac's Eye, again, tell us those dates. Uh, October 6th and 7th, those are at 8 p.m., and then the next weekend on Friday and Saturday, October 13th and 14th at 8, and the Sunday matinee is October 8th at 2 p.m. 2 p.m. All right. Those will be on the website also. Um, I know you can find show information. You can buy tickets online. Do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about tickets? Do you need to buy them online? You can buy them online at the LCC Marketplace uh, website. We have a performing arts space there. Uh, or you can buy them at the door. All right. You know, cash or credit is great. Perfect. So, yes, yeah. you can get tickets there online if you uh, are someone who plans ahead. <laughs> right. Or you can always just show up. So don't worry about that. Um, the website, lcc.edu slash show info. I know you can find show times in case you forget them, buy tickets online, read a little bit about the show Mm -hmm. and look at some of the upcoming shows. Right. So I know you have a show in November. We'll maybe give a little teaser about that. Right. Our show, our second show for the semester is Sense and Sensibility by Jane. Well, originally (laughs) by Jane Austen. Uh, The playwright is Kate Hamill, who's adapted that and that is being directed by Mary Job, and she's well-known in the theater community uh, as a wonderful director. That is also not, you know, written as realism. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of unique uh, performance approaches in that show as well. That's going to be a great show. Yes, so we'll probably have you back on the convo to talk about that Great, as it gets closer. But you can find all that information on the website. And if you haven't been out to LCC to see a show, come out. The production quality is amazing. The actors are so talented. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just want to encourage people, if you've never been to LCC for a show, this is a great one to start with. It absolutely is. Come out. All right. Anything else you want to cover before we go? No, thanks for having me on. We hope to see a lot of people there. Yes, thank you. And thank you for listening to The Convo. We will talk to you next time. You've been listening to Community Combos, a program from LCC Connect with conversations about what's happening in our community. To listen to this episode on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org or find us on your favorite podcast platform. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Community Combos, email us lcc-connect at lcc.edu. And thanks for joining the combo. Connecting you with Lansing Community College, this is LCC Connect. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College's dual enrollment program offers the opportunity for qualified high school students to earn college credit while working towards their high school diploma. Dual enrollment lets students receive educational advancement in areas where the student's interest is displayed, especially in courses and academic areas not available in the student's high school. To find out more information about dual enrollment, visit lcc.edu. 
I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. I joined the Navy to serve my country while parachuting with my platoon. My parachute didn't open, and I broke my neck. Thanks to PVA, paralyzed veterans are getting specialized medical care and treatments, the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. I just don't think my family would be as happy as they are without the support that I received from Paralyzed Veterans of America. Learn more at pva.org. Michigan residents age 25 or older may qualify for Michigan Reconnect, a program providing free or reduced tuition to students who have not earned a prior college degree. Reconnect students are responsible for books and fees. Visit lcc.edu reconnect for more information. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hey, hey, hey. This is Lisa A., and you're listening to Who's That Star on LCC Connect at Lansing Community College. Who's That Star is a behind-the-scenes show where I sit down and talk with the employees at the college. This is an inside look at LCC where you will have a chance to learn about their passions, projects, what inspires them both at work and in their personal lives. I'm your host, Lisa Alexander. I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to all the people who make LCC great. This show is for you to get to know the people that work at Lansing Community College a little bit more and see what makes them tick. Are you ready? Okay, let's go see who's today's star. I'm excited about today's guest. This is my mentor, the person that taught me the art of advising. This star has been an active part of LCC community for many years. She was born in Detroit, Michigan, and came to Lansing to attend Michigan State University and earned a bachelor's degree in elementary education. She worked at MSU for 10 years as an assistant director of admissions, then an undergraduate advisor, and finally as a coordinator of my cup program. And we'll find out what that means later. Also, because she loves to learn, she has graduate credits in student personnel from MSU, master's of administration from CMU, and she has earned a master's degree from Capella University in higher education. It was during her MyCup days, she became affiliated with LCC. She learned to love the students, the campus, and the people she met who worked here. She came to LCC in the role of lead faculty advisor, which she is still holding today. She has led a retention team, taught the first year experience courses, and been on numerous other committees and seen many students in her office. Many, many students. Along with her role as lead academic advisor, she is also the president of MAHI, which is the faculty union. She has been involved in union work since she arrived on campus. In addition to working with her local, she is also on the Michigan Education Association Board of Directors and Executive Committees. She enjoys representing the faculty on campus and will begin negotiating her third contract for faculty later this year. On a personal note, this star travels the Native American powwow circuit with her family. They had a food concession, so they have been cooking and selling fry bread Indian tacos, corn soup, and buffalo chili every weekend in the summer for the past 40 years. And you have got to try that fry bread because it is the best. It has been a great opportunity to live and share her culture with others. 
she belongs to the Oneida tribe and her husband belongs to the Grand Traverse Band of Ottawa and Chippewa Indians. She lives in Lansing with her husband, Robin, and their two fur babies, Toby and Sophie. Her daughter, Marianne, an Eastern High 2012 grad, is a financial consultant for Northwestern Mutual Insurance, and her son, Jacob, an Okemos High 2014 graduate and former LCC student, is a head chef at Primbrook Academy. Both live in Plymouth, Minnesota. All right, everybody, are you ready to learn who's today's star? Can you give me the drum roll, please? Today's star is Eva Minifee from the Center for Academic and Career Pathways. Eva, I'm so happy to have you here. Lisa, I am so happy to be here with you. I've been waiting for this for a long time. I know. I've been excited. I wanted to have you on here, too, but you are a busy person, and so I'm glad that you were able to fit me in your schedule because I really owe a lot to you. I feel that you have taught me the art of advising. You've been a good mentor, and so I really, really appreciate all that you have given to me. So. Well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. And so well, we'll begin with this question. Um, can you tell me about your work at LCC and what are your roles here? Oh, my gosh. So many things in all these years that I've done here at LCC. When I was first hired way, I'm going to say it, back in the day, <laughs> um, I didn't really know what my role was going to be because I was one of two advisors that were hired way back in 1994. I don't think the college knew what they were going to do with us because we had never had advising at LCC. Oh, Counselors were the ones that actually talked to students about what careers they wanted and what classes to take. So the college had written a grant and was trying to have something new to have academic advising. And so from working at MSU, running the MICA program, I was more familiar with um, students at LCC. And I really, a lot of times people ask me, why'd you leave MSU to come over here? You know, at Michigan State, students come and go, come and go. It's never the same student. But here, there are students that I see today that I saw 10 years ago. But living in the community, this is where I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So coming here and working, seeing the students, getting the opportunity to do retention programming, teaching, all kinds of new things, getting to meet great people in our community as well, um, has really been a blessing to me. So that's why I've stuck around in my same job, not necessarily the same role, but the same job for right. all this time. So how did you get started at LCC? Well, um, when I was working at Michigan State, MSU had gotten a grant called the Michigan College University Partnership. It was a grant from the state of Michigan, and it was a partnership between Lansing Community College and Michigan State. And the person who had written the grant actually um, was leaving MSU, and she knew that I had worked in admissions and I had worked in undergraduate advising, and she thought that I'd be a good person to start this transfer program. That's how I got introduced to LCC. Mm. Um, and I ran the program for about three and a half years. And one day, 
before Gannon looks like it looks today, I was walking down the hallway and I saw a blue paper on a bulletin board that said that Lansing Community College was looking to hire an academic advisor. Mm. And so I thought, huh, maybe I should apply for that because I really liked the kinds of students that we served here at LCC. So much different than all my experience at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And so I applied for the job. The next thing you knew, I'm working down here at LCC and been here ever since. So, like, I guess you maybe you've answered this, but maybe you want to elaborate a little bit more. Like, you did academic advising at MSU. Mm-hmm. And you did academic advising here. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm like, how did you make that transition because you went to school for elementary education. So how did you get in started in this career of academic advising when you had a whole nother goal of being an elementary teacher? Well, let me tell you, that is kind of, <laughs> I sometimes wonder if I really wanted to be an elementary ed teacher, if I really couldn't decide what I wanted to be. Hmm. So when I was a freshman at Michigan State, I originally went there because I wanted to be an accountant. Oh. And I remember going to the College of Business Advisor, and that guy said to me, he goes, well, you're never going to be in the College of Business because people like you don't get into the College of Business. Uh. So I didn't know if he meant people like me as a woman, people like me as a Native American person. I never really asked him because he just crushed me. Mm. So I remember leaving his office with my folder, sitting at the Red Cedar River, thinking, what the heck am I going to do next? And I remembered when I was little, I would always play teacher. So I said, well, there's the College of Education just down the way. So Mm -hmm. I went over there with my folder and I said, I need to talk to an advisor. And she was telling me about this program that they had called the Elementary Intern Program, where students would finish school in three years and their senior year, they'd be placed in a classroom and they'd actually earn a salary. Oh, wow. So I applied and I was accepted and that's the program I got into. But I graduated in the 19, early 80s and there were no teaching jobs anywhere. Mm. So I had to find work and I was really, really active in student life. Um, I was a Native American student aide. I was part of NASO at the time, the North American Indian Student Organization. I was doing student government work. And so um, a job opened up in admissions. And I thought, well, I'll apply for it. And that's what really got me into working at the college, at the university. Okay. And I found out that while teaching elementary school was fun, I really liked working with the college students. And I really liked um, MSU. So going out to recruit students to come to Michigan State was a lot of fun. I liked doing it. Right. But after a while, I got tired of that. Mm-hmm. And I knew from working in admissions a lot about all of the programs and things that students could do. So while I was doing some graduate work, I decided to become an advisor. Okay. And that's when I really started to love advising, mm-hmm. um, helping people guide their path. I tell folks, I said, the really reason I became an advisor isn't because I wanted that to be my dream job. Well, partly it was because that idiot told me I couldn't be in the College of Business. Right. 
but partly because I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. So I live vicariously through my students all the time. Mm. Whether you are a plumber or an accountant or went to medical school, it doesn't matter. I didn't have to do that, but I can see a student succeed in those fields. And that's why I love advising. Oh, yeah. Because it gets me to do other things that I personally don't do but that I can see my students do as they meet their dreams. Right. That's a wonderful way of putting it. Um, who or what inspires you in your career? Oh, my gosh. So many people um, that I have known who have done advising at universities other than here. I uh, There was a woman. Her name was Peggy Kennedy. She worked at a community college out east. And I met her at a NACADA, which is the National Association of Academic Advisors, at a advising institute that I went to. And she just talked about students and the effect that advising really has on students. And at that time, how we can learn to be more of a developmental advisor. And we talk about that now as appreciative advising mm -hmm. today. But back then, how we can really help students develop into the the people that we want that they want to be. Right. To help them get to the careers that they want, to help them find their path, which is really what I think is advising. So I would say Peggy Kennedy, uh Rebecca Woods used to work here at the college. She played a big role in in me wanting to continue and work more on retention side of things. She gave me opportunities that I really appreciate. Her and um a past president here, Judith Cardenas, they gave me a lot of opportunities to do new things. Okay. Um, I appreciate uh, Nancy Dietrich, who worked here on campus. Mm -hmm. I appreciate her for uh, for, try for trying to be a, um, a director when we never had one before and to really start seeing how we could have more institutionalized advising around all of campus to create an advising definition here. I really appreciate her for that. So there's a lot of people both here at LCC and outside of LCC that played a role in things in the way that I do things. Mm, that's good to know. It's interesting. I knew about a couple, but you know, other ones I didn't know about. So I think that's great. What do you want your legacy to be at LCC? Oh, let's see. I, I hope that someone will build me a building and put my name <laughs> out there. The Eva Menifee Advising Center. Oh, yeah, that probably is never going to happen. Hey, that would be nice, though. <laughs> what I'd like my legacy to be here when I leave is maybe not necessarily something that stays here on campus. I hope that students will remember something that I might have done to help them. Mm -hmm. And I hope that they pass it forward. That I hope that I made an impact on them, whether for themselves or their, their child or their grandchild. I hate to say it now, but their grandchild. <laughs> <laughs> um, that they met me and I, I touched something that helped them be successful in their life. That's what I want my legacy to be. I want people to remember me for, you know, Eva did this, and I really appreciate it because it made me do whatever, whatever, whatever down the road. I I, I think that you have met that legacy. <laughs> you have worked with so many students, and you have so many people that come back and see you and their kids and grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> have come 
and, you know, my office being next to yours, I really did get an opportunity, you know, to see all the different people that you have impacted. And I know that, like, you leave a legacy with all the different people that you invested in, like Mm. your colleagues and things like that. So I definitely think that there will be uh, Eva Menifee legacy that will last in advising about, you know, really trying to help the student where they at. And so we do appreciate that. Well, I'm glad. That's But that's what I'm hoping. So tell me uh, what your proudest accomplishment is. Besides my children? Yes. Okay, besides them. Um, I think that I am proudest of the people that I've been able to give opportunity to who never believed that they could have opportunity. Mm. That's what I am the proudest of. Um, there are so many folks that will tell me, Eva, you know, if you didn't give me a chance or Eva, if you hadn't told me this, or Eva, if you hadn't gone out of your way, that that's what I think that I'm the, I'm the proudest of when I see those folks that come back and tell me things. That's, that really makes my heart happy. Yes. So what is your next big project? Oh my gosh. My bucket list of things to do is so big. I need a wheelbarrow. <laughs> um, I'm trying to read a book. I've been reading. There's a Angela Bully. She wrote this book called the Firekeeper's daughter. It's been out. She actually has a second one. Now I've been trying to read it for about a year and a half. Um, I went on a vacation and was totally unplugged. We didn't have any internet, no television. And of course, my husband didn't pack a DVD into the into the trailer. So I actually started reading a book. That was very exciting. I know. Um, but I have that to do. I love to cook. That is one of my most favorite things to do, cook and bake. Um, sometimes I tell my students that when we talk about careers, I say, I just want to be the next Food Network star. <laughs> you and me both. So I like to do that. I love to travel, go see my kids. So I have a lot of things that I want to do. But when I think about things that I want to do here at LCC, I still have a few things I want to do here. Um, I want to get a nice contract for our faculty. I, w- I want to say that I want to make things great for our advising team. Um, so they get ready for whatever next, I hate to say happened to them, but mm-hmm. what the next thing that's going to come down the pike, cause we right. never know, especially right now, cause we're getting ready for that big, um, higher learning commission kind of audit thing in the next year. Right. So I want to make sure that we're on top of our game. That's good to know. Maybe we can keep you around <laughs> longer. <laughs> we can put more things in the work wheelbarrow so you can keep around for a while. What's one thing that can instantly make your day better? That is a very good question. At work, something that'll make my day better is when someone leaves my office and says, thank you, you've helped me so much. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, what did I do that really helped you? But it doesn't matter because as long as I helped you, I'm good. Right. Um, So that's one thing. The other thing that'll make my day is when I got home and my husband has dinner on the table. (laughs) That totally makes my day. Exactly. Although I should say he's been a pretty good husband because he's been making my lunch. Yeah. You know, that sometimes makes you wonder, hmm, I wonder what's going on with that. But I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) Just take the lunch and be happy. Take the lunch and be happy. But I think those are some of the things that make my day. Um, 
Right now it's football season, so watching the Lions win, that always makes, makes my day. day. Yes. <laughs> um, like, do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? And then tell me what that looks like in your life. Mm, I think that I am an introverted extrovert. Okay. And what I mean by that is I don't have to just be by myself, and it's very hard for me to be by myself. Um, in my entire life, I only lived by myself for six months. Oh. I have always had a roommate or my family or whatever, always around. Um, so I don't know what it's like to be like introvert likes to be by themselves. I'm not like that. I need to have people around me. But I also need to have my quiet time. Mm -hmm. You know, when I need some decompression. So I used to live, we used to live farther out because we used to live in Bath years ago. And oh. driving from Bath to LCC, I would always have that decompression time, mm -hmm. that drive. Well, now I live down Cedar Street, about two miles, three miles away. That decompression time is so short that sometimes I get home and just sit in my car <laughs> just to give me a little few minutes yeah. before I go in the house. So I think that that's, you know... That's some of the things that I, th that I think about. But as an extrovert, um, my kids used to hate it to go shopping with me because they say, Mom, you know everybody in my area. <laughs> well, yeah, not everybody, just some people. <laughs> yeah, it's hard for with this job. You um, have to interact with so many people and exactly. go to so many meetings that when you do have a time to just be quiet and sit in silence, you appreciate it. And it may seem like you're not wanting to be bothered with your family or friends or yeah. other people like that, but you've given so much during your work day. Mm -hmm. It's hard to carry that over. Exactly. So sometimes exactly. you do need to decompress and it does sometimes show as introvert. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Well, do you live by any piece of advice or a motto? Well, it depends who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to students, mm -hmm. my piece of advice to students today is don't give up and don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm. Especially here, we have so many people that are willing to help you because we all want to see you succeed. Uh, you know, I tell students all the time that when you're in K-12, that's free. Mm. Unless you're going to a private school, that's free. And you have to go. The state of Michigan tells you you have to. But going to college is a choice. Mm -hmm. And going to college is not cheap. Even if you're, getting, if you're getting full financial aid, someone's still paying for that. Right. I'm paying for it out of my tax dollars. And if you're a student who gets financial aid and still works, you're paying for it still right. in a roundabout way. But we have to make decisions and choices that if we're paying for something, we need to get the most out of it that we can. I agree. And as a student, that's really, really important. I don't know of anybody that orders McDonald's and drives away before they get their food. Right. But if you take a class and you don't go and you don't participate, you've done the exact same thing. Huh. That's a good analogy. And I, I think that we might have to leave it right here with that, you know, that wise words of wisdom. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you coming on Who's That Star, but I appreciate all of 
the energy and love that you've given to LCC and the people on the campus and just, you know, working in the union. That's a whole nother part that we didn't even really get to to kind of talk about all the work that you've done in that area, too. So I just wanted to give you your flowers while you were here and just let you know that we appreciate you in academic advising and we just, you know, think you are all around great. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate you, too. And thank you to all my LCC family out there, because I appreciate every one of them, too. Yes. So we're so glad that you were able to get a chance to learn more about the great Eva Menifee and the person that started academic advising, one of the people um, that started academic advising here. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. So take care and have a great time. You've been listening to Who's That Star? I'm Lisa A., and you can listen to this episode of Who's That Star and other shows from LCC Connect anytime online at lccconnect.org. Thank you for listening. Catch me next time to find out Who's That Star? This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Vision.